imposing grandeur, the quality or state of being impressive or awesome. The purpose of studying theology and reading books, it's it's not to gain our own intellect, but rather it is to bring us to Him. Because when you see how glorious and how holy and how majestic our Creator is, the more you worship Him. He is our imposing grandeur. Welcome back to another episode of Imposing Grandeur Radio. This week, I have Avery and Alexa here joining me again, and we are discussing God's omniscience. Um, yes. Anna, you sounded like surprised when you're like, and Alexa. <laughs> Were you not expecting me to be here? <laughs> and Alexa. <laughs> I was you like, know, I you're just... not normally on the show. So I thought, like, I, okay, I, I didn't know I had a vacation day today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's go ahead and dive in. And as always, let's define what we are talking about. So what is God's omniscience? I found a helpful definition from the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible, which honestly I've referenced a lot throughout these attribute, attributes of God's. I feel like that might be my Grudem systematic theology, Annie, which I'll let you tell us Grudem's definition in a moment. I'm sure you <laughs> have it. But it says that it's um, the definition of omniscient is God's infinite knowledge and understanding of the things past, present, and future. I just thought that that was really concise and helpful. So basically, omniscient is, well, going back to last week, um, the attribute that we talked about, omnipotent is all-powerful, and then omniscient is all-knowing. also found um, that all-knowing also can be considered all-wise and all-seeing. That God is never ignorant, surprised, or uncertain about the future. He knows the future because he planned it. Um, so I liked that definition too. And I've got the Wayne Grudem one. I'm finally back <laughs> home with my book, so I can use it. <laughs> Took a few week break. Um, and Grudem defines omniscience as God fully knows himself and all things actual and possible in one simple and eternal act. Wow. Wait, can you that read was, that again? That was I know. a lot. Wayne, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> this is a lot. He says, um, God fully knows himself and all things actual and possible in one simple and eternal act. Wow. That's a lot, man. It's a, we're not going to get that deep. But. Yeah. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm over here shuddering in my seat. Like. <laughs> When we interview Wayne Grudem on the show, we'll have him discuss it a little more. <laughs> yeah. I really liked it, though, in his definition when he says he fully knows himself. Because, I mean, I'm learning about myself every day. Like, <laughs> and I'm I'm not trying to compare us like, wow, yeah, me and God are similar in this sense. But like, just him even knowing himself sets him so much more apart from us. And when studying about this attribute, I was thinking of Psalm 139, which is a beautiful passage in scripture that sums up both his omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence. But um, more specifically, the first six verses talking about his omniscience saying, oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. So he knows himself and he knows us fully. And he knows when we sit down, when we rise up, he's acquainted with all of our ways. And even before a word is on our tongue, he knows it all together. Um, and this knowledge 
like him knowing himself fully and then also him knowing us fully, like it says in verse six, it's too wonderful for us. It's so high. Like divine omniscience is too high for humans to even comprehend. Um, but it's really cool. I mean, to think about we serve a God that has this attribute affiliated with him. Yeah, and actually Grudem hits on that same point in saying if we logically say God knows all things, then we have to deduce that God knows all things about himself because that means he knows that he's all he is able to do. And as a result of all things that he is able to do, that opens up all possibilities. And so mm-hmm. it's and wow. like you were saying, just it shows how finite and simple minded we are, because even yeah. that simple like logic pattern is hard for me to comprehend. So yeah. like it's literally too high and we cannot attain it. Like it says in Psalms 139 verse six. Exactly. <laughs> just right. kind of like, I mean, going back to omnipotence, like thinking of a being that's all powerful. And then what our next uh, like omni is om- omnipresent, like thinking about somebody that's everywhere at once, like. This is just way too high for our finite minds to comprehend, but it's an imposing grandeur topic. You know, it's something that Mm -hmm. once we think about, it does put us in a respected awe and cultivate this God honoring fear within our hearts, knowing that our God is so much more greater than anything literally we could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, I also loved, I found in Desiring God, just what foreknowledge means and what it doesn't mean. And I really liked Um, where they went with it. And they said, foreknowledge is not awareness of what random chance is going to bring about. It is not an awareness of what ultimate human autonomy is going to produce. And there is no fate, no random chance, no ultimate human autonomy. And it was just a reminder, at least to me, and, and humbling reminder at that, that there literally is no, we cannot say as our, our world likes to, um, tell us in all things, that there's, this is fate, you know, this is just Mm. destiny. This is what, you know, in movies, it's like, oh, with fate, they were brought back together. They got married, blah, blah, blah. But as Christians, we believe in an all-powerful, all-knowing God, and we know that he has foreknowledge of the future. And we can be confident and rejoice in in his sovereignty over all things, in his control over all things. And in turn, we can rejoice in him with confidence, knowing that what he is doing and is in control over is for his glory and for our good. Yeah, Avery, like you were saying, we serve a purposeful God. And I mean, September is Suicide um, Prevention Month. And I'm seeing going around all of these things, rightfully, I mean, I'm, I'm really enjoying people encouraging each other like, hey, if you're struggling, reach help. But also there's this, this idea that we are all here for a purpose. You are not forgotten. Your life is not wasted. If you're struggling, that doesn't mean that you are obsolete. It doesn't mean that you're omitted from life, but you are here for an exact reason and purpose. And just studying this characteristic, knowing that God is all knowing and everything that happens is under his sovereign umbrella. And that, that brings to us a great deal of comfort, knowing that he is a God of purpose, both in the trials of our life, but also in the high tops of our life. I was going to add on to that. We live in a world where we struggle living with uncertainty because we have Google, social media, the internet is at our fingertips. If we want an answer for something, we want to know history. We want to know why did this happen? What, you know, what's the findings on this? What was the evidence on this? you know, I'm interested in this, or I want to maybe go down this career path. I'm going to Google it and see like, 
what I need to do to get there. And it can lead to impulsiveness, I think, in our society of being like, well, I can figure that out. I can control what I do because I can easily pull it up on my phone ASAP and get it done. We're just like a very like get it done type of people. And um, I was reading about God's omniscience and this Desiring God article and the way that he tied our um, impulsiveness and desire to be all knowing how we can be subconsciously desiring that without realizing it. And um, they said in that um, article that we have an all knowing, all seeing, always God, but most of the time we'd rather entrust our questions to the internet. After all, the God at our fingertips, aka our phones, social media, all of those things are vis- visible, controllable, instant, and seemingly omniscient, at least omniscient enough for us. Our life questions and needed answers should come from patient meditation and prayer in God's word. And um, that was humbling to me because I think I forget the fact that I turn a lot to our resources. And yes, God has created and designed and like let the internet come into fruition and exist. And there's good things about it. But I think sometimes it's easy to turn to our own um, impulsiveness to control rather than trust God's sovereignty and his ability to know the future, to be in control over that. And um, instead, what we should be doing is turning to the Lord in prayer, which is often not my first um, action when it comes to considering those things. Mm hmm. Avery, that was a really good point that you brought up, which leads into our next question. Why should we pray, though, if God knows us so well? He knows all of our thoughts, all of our motives, all of our values, and what we're going to do, what's going to happen. Why do we pray? Um, I think it's important to remember that prayer is not for God. He doesn't need our prayers to do his will. It is a means through which we can enjoy his presence, a time to confess and repent. It allows us a chance to ask him to meet our needs and a means through which we can align our will to God's will. And um, God has made, you know, this direct communication and intimate relationship with him possible through the death of his son on the cross. And it is a gift that we get to come to the throne of grace, confident that the Lord hears us and can answer our prayers. Um, But God's promises of being all-knowing of the future is not an excuse to relax and pray less, but it is to give us confidence and urgency before the throne. And um, that just is so comforting to me because I think it is easy to look at what God has done, the promises we see in Scripture, and say, oh, well, if He already predestined that to happen and occur, and He knew before the beginning of time, before I was even born, that this would happen. Um, It's so easy to want to be like, well, I don't even have to worry about praying. But um, prayer prayer should be our um, catalyst for which we come to the Lord and grow in our relationship with Him, along with our meditation in Scripture. And um, something my dad said that was interesting to me is the Lord can use our prayers as a vessel to answer He doesn't need us to answer those prayers, just like he doesn't need us to share the gospel with someone for them to come to know him. But he can use our prayers as a vessel and a catalyst for that prayer to be answered, um, which is a comfort to me to know that, like, even though my prayers seem small and often not sufficient for such a great God and my words don't compare to what I wish that I could say and express, 
Um, I know that I need to be faithful as his servant to pray without ceasing, as we see in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, and that how in Luke 18.1, we ought to pray and not lose heart in those prayers. Right. And those verses make a good point for um, why should we pray? Well, first of all, it isn't optional. It is required. Um, We see verses that make it required in scripture, not necessarily um, you need to pray in order to be saved. We're not making this a justification issue, but in order to have a relationship with Christ, just like any conversation, like if I'm friends with Annie and I never talk to her, we're not going to be very good friends. I mean, different with God because God knows everything about me, but by me telling him things that I'm struggling with, like Avery said, he doesn't need that for his essence, but we need that as fallible humans. Um, and we may be asking the question, well, what if it doesn't do anything? What's the point of God's all powerful? Like he, he can just do everything by himself. Well, let's take this part of the podcast, I guess, to once again, put ourselves back into place. Um, God is a creator and sustainer of life. We aren't. And if this all powerful creator who desires our good, like we've been studying about through this whole series commands us to pray, then we as fallible dependent creatures are to pray regardless of any explanation that we feel as if we're being deprived from. But it's not just a command. So it's not simply us fulfilling this command that God has commanded us to do because he is this commander and we are under command of, you know. Um, It's an invitation. So this same powerful God is telling the same weak, sinful creatures to cast their cares upon him. And I mean, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 is a beautiful, comforting verse saying, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. So there's this glorious trade going on of our anxious thoughts for his surpassing peace. And it is such a, it's not so much a command as it is. We need this as fallible creatures, as creatures who daily thrive on communication to even have a relationship with somebody. And as people who are so easily forgetful of so many different things. I mean, David spoke to himself all the time in the Psalms, preaching to himself, like, why are you downcast? Oh, my soul. Like, put your hope in God. Like, we need that. We need that prayer in our lives to root us daily in his promises and in those reminders. That was such a good reminder, Alexa. Um, And Marshall Siegel, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He speaks on this subject and says that the sovereignty of God does not compromise or jeopardize prayer. It's quite the opposite. The absolute sovereignty of God over all the kingdoms of the earth and over every detail of our lives is the hope and foundation for our praying. If God is not sovereign, but simply waits on the whims of kings and armies and circumstances, then our prayers may be well Our prayers may well be in vain, but our God waits on no one. As we see in Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Our God does, however, turn those streams and split seas and open spiritually blind eyes through prayer. God makes our humble, dependent, expectant cries for help, the instruments of what he does in the world. We should assume that God has very plans for the world that do not involve the prayers of his people. His will will be done whether I pray or not, but his will will not be done without prayer because he has chosen to make prayer indispensable. The sovereign God hangs the universe on the prayers of his people and then inspires and empowers us to pray. He works in our praying both to will and to work for his good pleasure as we see in Philippians 2, 12 through 13. I love that quote, Avery. I felt like it encompassed a lot of the things that you both were mentioning. 
And um, I just wanted to add to that saying, too, when we pray, uh, often we hear like prayers more about helping us than it is about like God. It, we need it. God doesn't. And um, I just think about how humbling prayer is when you are repenting and confessing your sin and placing yourself in check for a holy, righteous God and the humility that that uh, brings in our hearts. And we know that um, that is the statue that we should take. And uh, Charles Spurgeon actually said this quote that I came across the other day, and it says, we miss a thousand blessings because we are too busy to commune with God. Mm -hmm. And I think how God uses how much we miss his providence when we don't pray and like all the things that could happen. Um, and if I had taken the time to pray about it first mm -hmm. and then see those things come to pass, how much that would encourage my faith and strengthen um, my view of God's providence and care for his children. That's a great point. Yeah, that was encouraging. Annie. And speaking to that, just, a reminder of how prayerlessness leads our hearts to be wayward. And when we don't choose prayer first and turn our eyes to the Lord, as we've spoken in past weeks, we often find ourselves in temptation and sin, um, looking to things of this world that discourage us and in turn are detrimental to our faith and our walk with the Lord. Um, and when you think of prayer that way, it's scary and it should be. And that's something that I don't often think through is, am I praying about this or am I turning to friends advice first because it's instant or am I turning to my own thoughts or what feels good to me instead of coming to the Lord in prayer first and seeking his wisdom through it? Yeah, I know like whenever we have a really big decision come up into our lives, it's like the automatic default to think of prayer as the last resort. Like, oh, well, I'll pray if I can't do anything about it. Or like, if I can't support financially, then I'll pray about it. But if I can support financially, then I'm just not even going to pray about it. Or if I see one solution that I'm able to do, then I'm not even going to pray. You know, uh, R.C. Sproul actually says, um, prayer is to the Christian what breath is to life, yet no duty of the Christian is so neglected. Like we have direct communion with God and we are not nearly using that to our own advantage as we should be. Um, this is something that is such a gift. And yet we're having to talk about like why we should do it. Like, that's just ridiculous. I mean, like, it's almost like, like it's comical because you almost have to laugh about it or you'll cry. But it's like, we're actually having to go over like, why should we pray if God is all powerful? Like, do you not understand what prayer is? Like, you have direct communication with God. Like, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Like, I just feel like Paul, like, talking to, I mean, talking to ourselves. But, like, but seriously, like, it, it almost reveals our ignorance in talking about, like, is this really necessary? Like, he can do this all on his own. Like, Wow. Like, I, I mean, that that was just something that I just realized. Like, this is this is almost like really sad and ignorant that we even have to talk about this. But it's something that we struggle with. Like, it is so neglected from the Christian to have this in such a correct perspective. Like, we have direct communion. Why are we praying all the time? Like Annie was I saying, know. like, I love that quote. Like, we do withhold ourselves from observing God's providence and his blessings in our lives. Like, I remember like one day I, I was just like driving to a coffee shop and I was like, you know what, Lord, I don't know which coffee shop I want to go to today. And I was like, I'm just going to let you pick. Like, I was just like, Lord, just have you pick. Like, 
pick my coffee shop. And I, I was just telling him, I was like, I want a view. Like I want, I want to go somewhere where I just feel like I'm in nature and then I could just like observe your creation. And, um, I, I didn't know where I was going to go, but it's funny because I literally took a, a turn that I never take. And I'm like, Whoa, there's a coffee shop here that I've never gone to before. And I went there and it was the most beautiful view I've ever seen. And it's just like small stuff like that, where I'm like, the Lord picked my coffee shop today. And I could have taken that wrong turn and have ended up at the coffee shop and be like, wow, that wrong turn led me here. But it was like, wow, God led me here because it was such a prayerful moment. You know, like there are things that happen throughout our whole day that if we're just prayerful about it, like he gets so much glory and we get so much joy experiencing that for ourselves. That's so true. And it, I think, too, it's a reminder that when we are praying those seemingly little things or asking the Lord for details like that in our lives, it's training our minds to seek the Lord first, whether we're trying to find a parking spot and, you know, it's like, oh, it's crowded here, Lord, please guide me to the parking spot that, you know, you have um, prepared for me, you know, it Mm, seems silly, but when we are doing those things or, Mm. you know, Lord, which coffee shop do you think I should go to? Or, hey, I'm going to this party, Lord, please prepare the conversations I'm going to have with these people. I, you know, want to be an encouragement to those around me, you know, praying those things is training our minds that when really tough things come up that, you know, are maybe really painful and hard to work through. There's no doubt in our minds when it comes to how to deal with it, because we automatically go to prayer first. Right. It's depending on him for all things. And he loves that, you know, like, I mean, yeah, we love it too, because we need someone to depend on. Yeah, and I also think not only how many blessings do we miss because we're not communing with the Lord, but Avery, you slightly touched on this. How many opportunities are we missing mm-hmm. um, to give glory to God, to worship God, to share the gospel with others? Because often in my life, I find when I am regularly communi- communing with God, so many more situations arise for me mm-hmm. to present the gospel to others or to encourage them in the truth. But when I'm not praying, it's like, you're just not focused on the eternal. You're not focused on spiritual matters. You're focused on yourself and what you have to do in that moment. Mm-hmm. That's so true, Annie. And um, that kind of reminds me to this other point, or it points me to this other point of how as Christians, we're, we're called to pray in all things, but also in all things, we should be praying for God's will to be done. And sometimes those prayers that we are, you know, coming to the Lord, Four are not going to be answered in ways that we like and would choose. And maybe are subconsciously thinking, okay, I'm praying about this, but I already have a solution that I hope comes true. And, you know, it's easy for us to think prosperity gospel and like, oh, I came to the Lord first. Like maybe he's actually going to give me what I'm hoping mm-hmm. for. Or maybe he's going to answer in a way that I'm going to be like so happy about. And sometimes God blesses us and gives us answers to prayers that are huge praises and are a huge gift. But sometimes we have to do things that maybe we wouldn't have originally yeah. come to him about and was hopeful would be the answer. And um, that's okay. And that's a part of God knowing and having foreknowledge of the future is trusting him even when our circumstances are not turning out in ways that we had hoped. It's important for us to keep that mindset, Lord, not our will, but yours be done because God always has the best in mind and we, he knows everything. He is above time. He has knowledge of the past, present and the future. We only have the knowledge of the past from our lives, our finite lives. 
We have knowledge from our lives and then the current day today. Like he knows everything. So like his discerning like choice is so much more wise than everything in my own mind. I mean, I forget where my car keys are. Like, I don't know what's the best for me. I don't know what's going to be the best for me 20 years from now. And that's why it's so important to be so prayerful about decisions because he will lead and he will guide. I love that point, Alexa. And that kind of reminded me of just the uncertainty of this life and how confusing the year of 2020 has been and uncertain Mm -hmm. for a lot of us. And as Americans, you know, as we were alluding to earlier, we live in a time where we don't often have a ton of uncertainty just because of the way society and technology is now. Um, And so this year has been really hard for a lot of people. And I know y'all have attested to it as well. Like this confusion and uncertainty has been painful. And, um, we have seen the way where people put their hope in this uncertainty and our, our world, there's no part of our world that has not been touched by just this pandemic and just the, the, um, effects of it. And, um, it's sad and encouraging because we, it's sad because we see friends that had claimed to be believers and put their trust in the Lord turn away during this time. But then it's encouraging to look and see people that have been drawn to the Lord during this time. Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't know, I was just reminded of how in our uncertainty, we can cling to the Lord and we will constantly be in confusion as long as we're on this side of the earth. And if you are confused about how God can be present and also know the future, that's okay because we can't fathom that. There's nothing we can compare that to. And so if you still have questions of God's omniscience and how he can be outside of time, also in time, present with us, also knowing the future, it's confusing because we're probably not going to fully fathom it until we are in heaven with him. And so in our confusion, in our uncertainty that we will be constantly living in now and in the future, we can have comfort that God is over all things and things that we don't understand for some reason that he's allowed it to be that way. We don't have to rack our brains and try to understand it when we have the hope that we need in scripture and in his word. Yeah, that was really good point, Avery. And um, maybe we'll have to have another episode in the future about just prayer because I feel like we could talk <laughs> on and on and on and on about how God has yeah. been Gracious. Well, I totally forgot that we were talking about like <laughs> omniscience. <laughs> hey, that's okay though. That was all um biblical and true and true of God. And so yeah, that's something maybe we'll do in the future. But mm-hmm. moving along with our topic of God's omniscience is our last question, which if God knows everything so that's gonna happen then where does human responsibility come into that? For example, if God knew that Adam was going to eat of the tree, how is Adam responsible for that? Why didn't, why didn't God just make it to where Adam wouldn't eat from the tree? Um, if that question makes sense. And uh, do either of y'all want to kick off the question with? Sure. I will start by saying just because he foreknows something doesn't mean he commits the act himself. I think that's an important di- differentiation to kind of think about. Um, I found a really good quote by this guy named James N. Anderson who wrote a blog and it was really helpful, but he had a really cool quote in the middle of this blog that said, 
Without a creation, there could be no fallen creation. And without a fallen creation, there could be no redeemed creation. Salvation presupposes sin. Restoration presupposes a fall. Thus, it's reasonable to infer that God's primary purpose in allowing the fall was to showcase his glory both in the original creation and also in his powerful and merciful restoration of that creation from its rebellion and corruption. So in layman's terms, I'm going to give you guys an example. So say for an example, I told you both that I had a super nice car and it was the most beautiful color red, had some sick hand-sewn seats and the dopest lift that you've ever seen, but you haven't seen it. You've just heard me describe it to you guys. And the information that I give you can only do so much for your imagination and doesn't even accurately describe the car effectively as a whole. Now imagine if I showed you this car and I opened my garage and you guys got to see the beautiful shade of red, sit in the hand-sewn seats and see just how high the lift was on the car and even give it a test drive. So likewise, because of our sin, we are able to witness and experience these qualities of God in a beautiful light. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that sin is good, but what I am saying is that despite our sin, God has turned it for good in both redeeming us and displaying his attributes in such a beautiful and profound way. So him being, quote, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love is mind blowing when contrasted and experienced within our sinful nature. And then his patience with sinful beings is now me a megaphone and his grace is, an over is overwhelming to behold. So it's more to experience than it is to just be told about it. Does that make sense? So why did God allow the fall? Well, we know that he didn't commit the fall, but he foreknew that it was going to happen and he allowed it to happen. And we must rest knowing that God is good, that there is purpose to that good purpose. And we're seeing it already. We're able to experience God in such a beautiful way, his redemptive nature. And he could have left us like Adam and Eve could have totally have bitten that fruit and have been dead. And then that's the end of the story. Like, that's it. Like, God could have totally killed them where they stood, and there would be no imposing grandeur. There would be no R.C. Sproul, no, like, Charles Spurgeon. Like, we could be, like, totally non-existent. But he chose to continue and to let them live and instead created, I mean, he knew this from the beginning of the world, but this plan of redemption started to unfold, and it became him redeeming us despite that, which is profound. Yeah, I loved that example and that metaphor because it really helps simplify it in my mind because it is a really complex thing that we could talk about mm. on its own podcast itself. And ultimately, it was for his glory. And also, our, discom our discomfort with God's sovereignty over evil depends on our assuming that we know better than he does. And this came from Desiring God, that we think we can imagine a better plan than the one he is unveiling and the one we are living. And as we see in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, his ways are not our ways. And so, you know, as he has been sovereign over all things and does know the future, we also do have free will. And um, as my dad was mentioning to me earlier when I was talking through this, he was saying that God knows the future. He knows every moment that we will sin and we will be tempted. But that doesn't mean that he's going to go and take that temptation away, just like he didn't take, you know, the tree of good and evil away from the Garden of Eden. And, um, you know, he foreknew and allowed the fall of man to happen. Same with us. That doesn't mean he's going to take a temptation out of our lives just because he knows eventually we're going to be stumped. We're going to stumble over it or we're going to sin because of it. And, you know, we don't always have the answer of why he allows that to happen and, and why he doesn't take something out of our, our lives or a thorn in our flesh that we will continue to struggle with until we die. But we can have hope 
And we can trust that his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. And ultimately it is for our good and for his glory. And sometimes we just have to rest in that answer and not know exactly why. Yes, I agree. And R.C. Sproul in an article was talking about this very subject and says, God's sovereignty employs our actions and decisions and uses them to accomplish exactly what God intends to happen. And then he brings up the story of Acts 27, where the Apostle Paul is on the ship with the centurion um, and all the other soldiers and people. And there's a huge storm and God tells Paul that he will not perish in the storm and that both he and everyone else on the board, the ship will be saved alive. Well, then you see Paul urging everyone to stay calm, to stay in the ship because you cannot be saved if you're not in the ship. And then he's telling them to eat, to make sure they stay healthy. But why, why, why does it matter if we have, if our decisions, our effects have nothing to do with God's will? Well, it does matter because God uses Paul's action, Paul's direction to these people to keep eating, to stay on board, to save them, to carry out his will through Paul's decisions to trust God and mm-hmm. which plays a part in God's hidden will and revealed will, revealed will, which R.C. Sproul talks about. We don't know everything that God has planned or that God is thinking. We don't know which um, actions we do will bring about um his purposes or what part or rather what part they will play in his purposes um because we know all things work together for his good for our good and his glory so it's just um like Avery said a lot of it is just trusting and resting in the truth of God and the goodness of God and a lot of it and R.C. Sproul says this to be frank God's uh will is none of our business Like Mm. what God has planned for the future and for our lives and for his glory. It's none of our business. We have prescribed in scripture what we are to do and how we are to be obedient and trust God. And that is our business. We should focus on that and not trying to dissect something that's way out of our, like way out of our league doesn't even cover it. That's just not our business and nothing that we can ever tangibly understand and know. Thou preach. (laughs) <laughs> so true. Yes, amen. That's so true. And another example we have of God using our sin to bring about his sovereign purpose is Judas's betrayal in John 13. Um, Jesus knew and already um, foreknew Peter's um, denying of Christ and Judas's betrayal. And although we know what both of them did was sin, um, God brought about a redemption story that started with the betrayal of Judas. And of course, you know, God could have brought about that anyway, whether whether Judas did that or not. But it was just a prevalent example to me of just remembering that Judas's sin, you know, in that example is not an excuse for us to sin and not care. But God used sovereign sovereignly used Judas's betrayal to bring about a savior for us through the crucifixion of Christ on the cross. And um I just was thinking through that and really loved that um example in scripture Mm -hmm. all right well does anybody have any final thoughts on that question before we move into the ig hot seat (laughs) i think we're good (laughs) okay well it's time for the ig hot seat and my question is a little abstract today given that i found it 
10 minutes before we started recording. <laughs> um, Abstract. It was what does that mean? The- <laughs> Fancy. Like, I don't even know my answer yet, so I haven't thought through it. Um, oh, okay. But my question is, if you woke up one morning in another country surrounded by people who spoke no English and all you had were the clothes you slept in, what would you do? <laughs> what? What would I do? I'd probably pass out. I'd be so confused. <laughs> I'd probably wake up and be like, like, am I in heaven? (laughs) (laughs) That would be a terrible heaven. It'd be terrifying. Yeah, I'd be like, whoa, like, where's the the translator for the speaking in tongues? Like, well, I mean, man, are all these people looking at me when I wake up? Am I going to be like on the floor surrounded by... Wow. I'm just picturing somebody opening their eyes and like tons of people. Yeah, I'm like thinking of me being in the middle of Kenya. Like, just like, (laughs) well, honestly, I'd kind of like to see myself in that situation. I'm really curious as to what like my natural reaction would be, you know? And I feel like Mm. I'll never know because, I mean, Lord willingly, that will never happen to me. Like, that'd be kind of terrifying. But, well, I do. I like to ask myself, what are my priorities? Okay. Food. So I would wake up and probably symbol, I want food. And mm. then based upon that and like what their food kind of was, maybe I would get like a vibe for where I was in the world. And then I would kind of like, I would try to find like um, a society, like locals and try to derive like where I am. And once I figured out where I was, I would move from there and also, just completely forgetting about the fact that I woke up in a strange place. Yeah, like, you're very <laughs> calm for somebody who just woke up. You're like, I'm going to wake up and just signal for food. I'm like, I would wake up and literally, like, probably freak them out because I'd be screaming and be like, where am I? <laughs> I think that I... I would probably, after freaking out for a while and being very confused of how I got there, I would pray, since we've been talking about prayer, for someone to help me, like, talk to the locals, get a bike or a horse, try to figure out where the closest city was, drive or ride the horse or drive in a car, I don't know, to the city, find where, like, an embassy was, go speak to them. Try to somehow get communication with my family in the U.S. at the embassy. Then, once I talk to them, establish how I got there or ask them if they know anything. Get flights back to the U.S. Hmm. and then go. Get hightail it out of there. Interesting. (laughs) I'm going to, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to look around. (laughs) And none of this is true, but it would be kind of funny if this actually happened. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to look around. And then in like 0.2 seconds, I'm going to figure out what these people are most drawn to. Like, is it like, like singing? Is it telling jokes or is it like magic tricks or just like, what? you're going to do all of that in two seconds. You're going to try point, all those things. 0.2 seconds. <laughs> I'm going to figure it out. And then once I, I figure it out, I'm going to do that. And you're I'm like, like selling yourself. <laughs> no, I'm going to be like, Whoa! No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the. I'm digging myself into a trench here, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna prove to these people that I am an outcast. But I am, I am a, 
a cool outcast and then they're gonna take me into their home and feed me i don't know dude this is a, this is a weird question i've never been asked this like i think i honestly i'd probably use it as an opportunity to start afresh maybe like take a long walk after that and then like figure out like okay what are my options here and then at some point i'll go back into the town have them teach me their language Mm. um and then use it as a mission opportunity i mean for some reason the lord has me wherever i am like he just kind of like moved me into the middle of the night so (laughs) if that happens please let us know that you're not dead call call back and say hey i'm good i'm just gonna establish a new house and place here i'm just gonna start over and live a different life (laughs) me and my pjs because apparently that's all i have (laughs) so that was a very unique question very abstract annie see what i mean (laughs) yeah that was that was crazy dude (laughs) do you type that and like find that online or what what i went through so many questions and then finally i googled what if questions and that was number one so oh that's that's funny that's good so creative what a creative them were because see some of them questions i'm like this would be a good question if i was in a room full of people that like i didn't know what they believed but a lot of questions i'm like i know how they're going to answer that since we're all christians like right if you could change yeah. something in your life, what would it be? I know we would all probably say like the Lord has brought us through every season of life. Uh, wow. You can't just assume my answer like that, Annie. I feel kind <laughs> of like unappreciated, <laughs> like way to just like tell everyone on the airwaves what I would do. Like, Am that I wrong? Wasn't like words in her mouth, Annie. <laughs> if I could change anything, Annie, I would change so many different things. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I thought you were about to save my friendship with you and I was going to be no. really sad. Would you cry? No. <laughs> oh, like, that was heartbreaking. I'm not that good of friends with you. I wouldn't cry over that. <laughs> not going to cry on air. <laughs> <laughs> All <right>. Anyway. <laughs> um, well, this was a good podcast on prayer. <laughs> but I feel well, like prayer and omniscience do go hand in hand. And those those questions that we were talking about in regard to prayer yeah. are inevitable when talking about a God who knows everything. Because it's like, you know, so I think it right. was good that we yes. really expounded on that. Yeah, good good segue into omnipresent and how like God is present in our circumstances. And like we'll probably talk more about prayer next week, too. Yeah, it's true. All right. Well, that is all we have time for today. But join us next week as we discuss God's omnipresent. Woo!